be here today. And again, thank you uh, each for being here. Um, City Life is just such a great church. And uh, um, if you don't know, City Life is a church. We have two campuses, uh, one in Newport News, and we've got one here in Williamsburg. And uh, it's been fun just to be able to be a part of uh, this campus here and see all the things that are happening. Uh, my wife, Michelle, and I uh, have been here since January and just getting started. Um, well, we've been here almost a year now, but we've been here at this location, is what I should say, um, since January. And um, as we approach a year of just being a part of this church, it's been so cool to see the things that have happened um, and the things that God's doing in us and what he's doing in this church. And uh, we're so thankful to be a part of a church that has a community mindset that says they want to reach this community and that they have a peninsula mindset that says I want to reach this whole peninsula and then has a world mindset that says I want to reach the whole world um, for the cause of Christ and it's just fun to be a part of a church that thinks globally and thinks much of Jesus and uh, so that's what we're going to do today is we're going to talk about Jesus. You guys good with that? All right, so we're going to be doing this uh, through our sermon series called Rescued. This is um, our fourth week in this sermon series, and um, we've just basically what we're doing is just walking through each week, and uh, we're, we're taking a look at a movie and uh, taking uh, just a, an idea of that movie and then tying that movie in with a person in the Bible, a story of a person, an individual in the Bible that has been rescued, and so we're just tying those together, and uh, it's been awesome just to see how the the sermon series has been going. We've been having a blast here with it um, um, at both campuses, and I know each one of us Jews, myself, Pastor Fred, has been going through it. It's been fun for us, and uh, fun for me as I'm studying. It's been awesome, too, because I've been able to justify a little extra movie watching, right, because it's study time, right? So, yeah, I've got to watch this movie. It's study time, so um, so. It's been good uh, just to do that and uh, to have fun uh, as God's just been challenging me on the idea of what it is to be a rescuer. And really the heart of the message is, is that each one of us through Jesus Christ have been rescued. And if we haven't yet, that we can be rescued and that there is a need for us to be rescued. And that need to be rescued is from sin and the sin keeps us apart from God. And that Jesus came to rescue us so that we could live and know true life in him. And so... As we go through each week, we're just seeing another glimpse, another look of how that happens and what that looks like. And honestly, each week, there's a truth that we can find in it for ourselves, and some weeks are going to be more true for us than others. But each week, as we go through this and we can look at it, it becomes apparent to us that there is a need that each and every one of us has. It was amazing to me when I was going through scripture this week and just my own personal reading is I just, the word rescued was just so continual just I mean in the New Living Translation the word rescued is just used all the time Old Testament New Testament that we are to be rescued and one of the reasons we're using movies is is because whenever you go through a movie there's always this thing somebody needs to be rescued a a relationship needs to be rescued you know I mean you know there's always just something a civilization needs to be rescued that's I mean that's that is how you tell a good story right that something's on the brink of loss and then it's saved right and in each and every one of us We sense that and we feel that. And there's moments that we want to be the rescuer, right? There's moments that we can even imagine ourselves. We joked all around and uh, kicked it off a couple weeks ago with that that Verizon commercial, you know, with a guy that's sitting in the 7-Eleven, right, and it's getting robbed, and he starts tying the beef jerky together, right? And he's just like, on my go, right? And then walks up and he starts tying the guy up with beef jerky, right? We all have those moments where we're just like, yeah, I want to be the guy that saves the day, right? We all have that at some moment at some point. And then at the same time, too, we all have the moment, right? And guys, come on, be honest with yourself. You all have the moment where we want to be even rescued, right? Where we want to be rescued. We want to be saved from something. We want somebody to come in and save us from our situations and circumstances. 
And that is deep within each and every one of us because there's a true need for us to be rescued. To be rescued from a life of sin and a life apart from God. And so today as we uh, get in this sermon series, we're actually going to be looking at Peter. And uh, so that's the person in the Bible that we're going to be looking at. We're going to be starting in Luke. So you can go ahead and turn your Bibles to Luke. Uh, Luke chapter 5 is where we're going to be starting today. So you can go ahead and turn there and hold your place there. We might hit a couple places before we get there. If you don't have your Bibles today, uh, don't worry, we're going to have a glowing Bible up here on the screen for you, so you can check that out um, for most of our verses. Um, but this is uh, what we're going to be doing today is looking at Peter, and then we're going to be um, talking about this movie. Can anybody name this movie? Anybody? I'll give you a gift card. Anybody? All right, good. No, <laughs> no, <laughs> no, <laughs> no, uh, that would be interesting. So, no, all right, so this movie is called Fearless, right, and it's by Jet Li, who's just a stud, right, and this is a great karate movie, right, if you're just in the mood for a good kung fu movie, right here, all right, who likes some good kung fu movies, who's with me on this, all right, all right, dude, I'm telling you, this movie's awesome right here, little note, it's only in subtitles, all right, it's, it's in subtitles, right, um, so it's a little artsy, but Jet Li's just such a stud. You don't even need to know what he's saying, right? You're just like, how many ways can Jet Li kick that dude's butt, right? That's all, like, right? That's just, that's all you have to do, right? And, uh, but it, it's a powerful story, and uh, I'll tell you a little bit about the story here in a minute, but uh, don't get lost on it. It's your homework, it's your second uh, homework assignment this week, all right? Your first one was hand out some reach cards. The second one was watch Fearless, all right? It's on Netflix. Just check it out. It's awesome. All right. Braden tried to watch it with me, and uh, halfway through, he's like, I'm so lost, Dad. I have no clue what's going on. And I was like, all right, do you want to turn it off? He's like, no. It's kind of fun, though. <laughs> right? So just go and watch it and just check it out. It's going to be a great movie for you to watch. But so this movie is about, it's actually a true movie. Uh, it's a, a true story, um, a telling of a life of, of a guy in China um, in the early 1900s. Um, his father was a kind of the last breed of a certain type of man in China. And, and at the time, at the turn of the century, uh, each village would, um, basically they had a dominant warrior and that studied in a certain type or a, a certain area of Kung Fu. And, and so they would study these things and then the villages would come together and they would compete, right? And they would sign these death waivers and whoever won would be known as the champion and all this different stuff. And uh, so there was these major competitions between the houses and between villages and all this different stuff, you know? And, and it was just, that's just the way they lived. And then um, the turn of the century started coming and, and uh, this, uh, this guy, he was getting older now, and his son, who Jet Li's character is, is he's going, uh, he's living his life, and he's younger, and he's grown up with asthma. And his whole life, he's just been told, you can't do it. You can't do it because you have asthma. You can't do it. But he's got this defiant attitude that says, I'm going to do it. He's paying as a kid. He's paying off his friend to do his homework for him, right, and doing all these different things so that he can study. He's watching his dad through the fence study and, and do, you know, all the moves. And he's learning them and going practicing them himself as a kid. And he's just like, I can do this thing. I know that I can do it. And he's trying to convince himself. And he's always trying to prove himself. So he's just in this place of constant, just trying to prove who he is and prove what he can do. And, and so then comes a time that, that the two greatest warriors of their time challenge each other. So his dad 
and this other guy challenge each other, right? And they're battling, and, and it's just this amazing battle, right? Just starts the movie off, right? And if you're into that, you're just like, yeah, this is awesome, right? So, I mean, they're doing all these crazy flips and all this different stuff, and then his dad is just, like, just destroying this guy, right? Just destroying this guy. And so him and this other guy's son are standing next to each other, and they're antagonizing each other, right? You know, and just giving each other, you know, just junk. And... So he's sitting there, and his dad goes to do the finishing move, right? And this is almost be like a Mortal Kombat moment, right? The finisher, right? And so he comes in, and he's in this moment where he's getting ready to hit his dad and, or hit the other guy's dad, and he just stops. And the reason I'm not saying the names of the characters, by the way, is because I don't know how to pronounce them. Just so if you're getting lost by this, just follow me, all right? It's just really, it would be even more confusing, all right? So he goes through, and so the dad say, or, um, Jet Li's dad, I'm just going to say it that way, Jet Li's dad is going to do the finishing move, and he goes to hit the guy right on the head, right? But it would have been a death kill. That's what it would have been. And he stops right short of the impact, right? And he stops, and he backs up. And he's letting the guy know, I could have just won. I could have just killed you, but I decided not to, right? And so Jet Li's is sitting on the side, the little Jet Li, tiny Jet Li's over there. And he's just like, Dad, what are you doing? Right? He's just like, what are you doing? Then the guy, instead of saying, you know what, bowing out, you won, he goes and he starts attacking Jet Li's dad. And Jet Li gets kicked off the platform and he loses. Right? And so now their family's been shamed. Right? Been shamed and this dad no longer battles because this guy's the champion. And so they've been shamed. And so... Story moves on now, and Jet Li has grown up a little bit, and now he is the warrior, right? And he's been competing and battling, and he's won 20-some battles in a row, right? And he's just talking to his mom. His dad's passed away, and he's talking to his mom. He says, I've got to restore our family's name, right? And she's like, but you're doing it at the destruction of yourself and everyone around you, right? And he's just like, doesn't matter. I have to do this. I have to restore our family's name. So he starts going through and he starts doing it, and it's just awesome karate, kung fu, amazingness, right? It's just pure man food, all right? So you're sitting there, you know, it's just, you're just sitting there, and I'm telling you, as you watch it, you just feel your testosterone levels being built, right? right. It's scientifically proven, by the way, ladies, when guys, they feel down and just feel demoralized and they need energy. They sit there and watch a movie, even if they don't even know what's going on, but it's just violence and craziness. Scientifically proven that, that it builds up their testosterone levels. It actually increases their ability to be happy, connect, and have um, conversation. So let them. <laughs> All right. So, <clears throat> so that was just free. No, I didn't. I promise you. I promise you. I actually heard that from uh, Gary Smalley, um, who's, uh, I mean, really known for relationships and studies. So, I mean, yeah. There you go. All right, so, <laughs> so anyway, so they're going through and um, totally lost where I was at in the movie right now. But anyway, so he's going through and um, he's, you know, just trying to prove himself and do these things. And so he's doing all these amazing battles. All this awesome stuff's happening. At one point, he says, you know what? This is taking too long. All the challengers come on. So at one point, there's like 20 people surrounding him. And he's just like knocking them all out and slaying them. It was totally impossible, but it's awesome, right? And so he's just doing all this different stuff and he's a champion. And he's just making his name known for himself. And then he gets to a point where he's like, I beat everybody. Or his friend's saying, hey, you've beat everybody. He goes, no, I haven't beat everybody. Still have the man that beat my dad, right? And so but he would not challenge Jet Li. And so finally there comes a moment that Jet Li in his youth just confronts him in his best friend's restaurant. There's this amazing epic battle scene that happens and he destroys his friend's restaurant. and ends up killing this guy right, that defamed his dad, and he thinks it's the greatest moment, but from then, 
he loses everything. All of the disciples that were following him come to find out they were lying to him. They were stealing. They had raised all these bills. They were drunk and causing all kinds of stuff in town. And because of his actions in the moment, it was this guy's birthday. He made this guy's son mad. So this guy's son went and killed Jet Li's wife or mother and daughter, right? And all this stuff. And he just loses himself. He ends up in this remote village. And he spends all this time out in this remote village. And he comes to find out what really he should be fighting for, what he should be focused for. Then the movie picks up at the end of him not fighting for himself and not fighting for him to be known. But he's fighting for a purpose that's bigger than himself. And the movie's called Fearless, not because of what he could accomplish, but because he realized that when you fight for something bigger than yourself, you're, over, you're able to overcome things that you yourself could never overcome. And the thing that he could overcome was not the challengers, was not the enemies, was not all of these different types of kung fu and all this different stuff. The thing that he had to overcome was himself. Was himself. And today, as we look at the story of Peter, that's where we find ourselves. Is that our greatest enemy is not some mysterious thing that's just out there in the world. Our greatest enemy is not our boss. Our greatest enemy are not our children, right? Though they might be competing at times. Our greatest enemy is not traffic on 64, which I sat in for three hours one day this week, right? Our greatest enemy is honestly ourselves. And as we look through and we study Peter and we look at his life today and look at some brief situations, we'll see that Jesus has come to rescue us from ourselves so that we could live life fearlessly. Let's pray real quick. God, we thank you for your faithfulness and we thank you um, for this moment. God, I pray that anybody that I just lost as I talked for 15 minutes about a movie about Kung Fu will come back as we talk about your word. And uh, God, I pray that you be exalted and glorified in everything that we do. Lord, we love you and praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen. So the greatest story of rescue is the story of Jesus coming to rescue me from myself. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12, it says, if you think you're standing, stall, if you think you're standing tall, be careful, right? If you think you're standing tall, if you think you're confident, if you think you know what's going on, be careful. And as you go on and you look at the rest of that chapter and you look at those di the different things that are happening, you could get to a place where you're so confident in yourself, you're so aware of your, your situations, you're so confident in your abilities, or you're so overwhelmed by your situations that anything can cause you to fall in any moment if you're leaning on anything other than Jesus Christ. And we are prone to, as humans, we are prone to choose things that are not of ourselves. We are prone to not look at God. We are prone to look at ourselves and find strength in ourselves and find our own ability to do even the things that God's called us to do. And as we find more and more confidence in ourselves, as we find more and more ability in ourselves, as we let our situations dictate our actions to us, we end up in a place where we say, how did I get here? How did this happen? How did I lose this? How did this situation take place? Why am I feeling this way? Why is all this happening to me? And it's because we have been battling against ourselves. And there's a bigger battle that's even going on. It's a spiritual battle where God is saying, this is what I want you to do. This is the way I want you to live. If you live this way, you are going to know that I'm with you. You're not going to avoid hard times and difficult times, but you're going to be able to come through them very quickly. And you're going to be able to come through them stronger 
and better, right? There's going to be opportunities that you're going to have that you could never other have otherwise if you weren't looking to me. This is what God has for us. He wants for us to live this amazing, abundant life. But oftentimes we say, you know what? It's okay, God. You've got me here. I can take it from this point. And then we detour and we wander. We end up in this place and we're like, God, how did I get here? And he's like, because you were looking to yourself. So here's Peter, Luke chapter 5. You guys with me? If you're in Luke chapter 5. Thank you, Jenna. Luke chapter 5. If you got your Bible, say, I got it. All right, Luke chapter 5. One day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing, but if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. Catch that. If you say so, then I'll let the nets down again. At this time, their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. A shout for help brought the partners in in the boat, and the boats were almost sinking. Verse 8, when Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh, Lord, please leave me. I am too much of a sinner to be around you. So here's what I'm going to talk about real quick is, is before we get to the reality of living a fearless life for God, there's four things that I believe that can keep us from living out this fearless life. There's four things that we can learn from the life of Peter that puts us in a place where we say, how did I get here? How am I living this life of, uh, of one that I had all of these dreams and now I'm seeing none of them accomplished? I, there was a moment where, where I first gave my life to Christ and I, I felt like I was so on fire and I was going to do so much. And now I look at it and I'm like, I haven't done anything. Or maybe you don't even know who Jesus is. And, and as we've been even going throughout this day, you're like, I don't even know what this is about. I don't even know what's going on. I don't know what's happening in this moment. But you know that there's something here. And there's something that's pulling at you, and you feel some sense that maybe even God's talking to you. And you look at your life, and you look at your situations, and you look at your accomplishments, and you look at your failures, and when you look at everything, at the end of the day, you stop and you say, you know what? When I put my head on the pillow, there's some things I feel good about. There's a lot that I don't feel good about. But I don't feel like where I'm supposed to be. I'm not where I'm supposed to be. And today, I just want to speak to each one of us that have felt, find ourselves in this place and say, what are the things that keep us from living this life that God has for us in Christ? The very first thing that keeps us from doing it, and we can look here at Peter and see the situation is, is our confidence in our knowledge. Our confidence in our knowledge. Yesterday, when we were at Water Country, I, uh, I've got a life-proof case on my iPad, got a life-proof case on my iPhone. And uh, so I was like, hey, this is going to be great, right? I'm going to take some pictures of my kids in the lazy river, right? Because that's the best ride at the water park, right? <laughs> that's amazing stuff right there, right? So I walk in, I'm taking pictures of my kids, and then I go to take a picture, and it's a black screen of death. And I'm like, what in the world? And then all of a sudden I see a little bit of steam on the inside of the cover, and I'm like, are you kidding me? And then I look, and then I see another bubble, and then I start opening it, and it's just water pouring out. I had absolute confidence because my life proof case had protected me before and taken care of me in many ways. Absolute confidence. I even checked it before I walked in, right? Just squeezed the corners, looked at everything. I'm good. Dove in, right? And I killed my phone, <laughs> right? 
There's moments like that where we go through and we're doing, we have confidence in our knowledge of what we've done in the past, confidence in our knowledge of the situation or the things that we have, the tools that we have, the things that are before us. We're confident in those things. And we can get so confident in those that we start doing what we think is right. We start doing what we think we can do. And then as we start doing it, we get in this place where we're just like, you know what? I can't do this thing. Peter was a fisherman, right? He's not just some guy who liked to fish. This was his livelihood, right? These fishermen at this time, if you were going to be a fisherman, you had to be the real deal, right? Because these guys had these rinky-dink boats. They would go out on the Sea of Galilee, which at any moment, a massive thunderstorm could come and capsize their boat at any moment, right? They had to be strong. They had nets, right? These nets they had to take, throw out. They could catch whatever they catch. Then they had to drag them back into the boat. Have you ever tried to drag something back into a boat? Have you ever tried to do that, right? Most of the time, it's somebody willingly trying to get dragged back into the boat, right? So they're trying to help you, hopefully, right? They're dragging fish that do not want to be out of the water, right, into a boat. These guys have to be the real deal. They're tough. They're strong. They're knowledgeable. They know what they're doing, right? Me and you, we can get all these scent-flavored baits and all these different stuff. Maybe you can catch something. I still can't, but all these different people can go out, do all these things. We know how to lure it. We've got boats where if you want to spend enough money, you can go and see a screen. Oh, look, there's 20 fish. Let's drop right here, right? They didn't have that. These guys are knowledgeable. And he's confident in what he's accomplished. He's been successful. On top of that, Peter, it's believed to be, and there's many things that I don't have time to go through today, is a follower of John the Baptist. And so he's knowledgeable of what John's talking about. He's knowledgeable to some degree of scriptures. He's not learned. He doesn't know Greek. He's not a philosopher. He's not somebody who um, has been looked at as their time as somebody who's scholarly and doesn't have all this knowledge. But he has a knowledge of what God's wanting to do. He's got a knowledge of the things of God. He's been learning from John the Baptist. He's been hearing John the Baptist preach. And he's curious about Jesus, and he's curious about the things that are happening. And Jesus goes and said, hey, let's go out on the boats. It's the middle of the day. Peter's like, you're crazy. No one fishes at this time of the day. If I go out with you, I'm going to look stupid right now. Right? And so he's like, all right, let's go out. And then Jesus is like, hey, why don't you drop your nets? He's like, dude, <laughs> this is not what we're supposed to be doing right now. But if you say so, right, I'm going to show you that I know more than you do. How many times do we find ourselves in places where we're so confident of our situation, we're so confident of our circumstances, that when even God's directing us to go somewhere, or God's directing us to have a conversation with someone else that we need to have, or God's calling us to do something that we've never done before, that we say, God, that can't happen. That's not possible. Because I know, I've seen what's happened in the past. I know what takes place. I'm just going to do what I know was right to do. And we miss out on an opportunity that God could have to blow our minds and to show us the truth of what really could be. Now, how many times do we continue on that path in our confidence of what we know that as we walk down that road, we end up in this place where we're standing there with a wet iPhone just going, but I knew because it's always worked in the past. Our confidence and our knowledge and, and what we understand can get us to a place where we're led astray and we begin to wander and detour from what God has for us. If we go on and look at the story of Peter, Matthew chapter 14, verse 28. Now Peter is a disciple of Jesus, and 
they've seen Jesus do some incredible things, and Jesus has got done preaching an amazing message in front of thousands of people, and no doubt Peter is the spokesperson for the disciples, and, and one who's closest to Jesus, Peter's just in awe of all that's taking place. No doubt that Peter's just like, this is amazing, I can't believe that I'm in this place. I can't believe that all that's happening. I can't believe where I'm at and that I'm a part of this story, right? He's just caught up in it and he's excited and Jesus gets done preaching and Jesus says, hey, go across the lake. I'm going to catch up with you guys later. Peter, a knowledgeable fisherman, Peter who somebody's lives on the sea, is out the sea with the disciples and the storms come and then the boat's getting tossed around and they're just like, what in the world? And they're scrambling for survival and then all of a sudden they just see Jesus walking across the water. Right? What does Peter say to him? Peter says, if it's you, then call out to me so that I can walk on the water. How many times do we get so confident in our abilities? We get so caught up in what we can do, and we get so caught up in the situations that we are, that when we look at a situation that's taking place, we see Jesus and we see him doing things, that we quickly rush out into what even God has for us in our own power and our own ability. We end up in a place where we start to see something, and we start to see things happening, and we're just like, this is awesome. Peter walked on water, guys. I mean, how awesome is that, right? I was out at the pool with, with uh, Braden and Ryland the other day, and, and uh, they had their buddies in the neighborhood. I've become the parent that takes every kid to the pool, apparently, because nobody else does. And so, like, you know, I was sitting there, and I was like, hey, if your kid drowns, whatever. But so, mine too won't. No, I'm just kidding. That's awful. So... Anyway, so they're sitting there, and they know that I'm a pastor and different stuff, and Braden, I love it. Dude, he's so confident just in, in who he is, and he's just confident in, in, in his relationship with God as he knows it right now, and it, I just love the way he responds to things, and so this one kid was just sitting there, and he's just like, you know what? I can walk on water, and Braden's like, dude, nobody's walked on water but Jesus. Well, actually, Peter did too, <laughs> right? And then and this kid's like, no, he didn't. Jesus is the only one that's ever done it. And Brain's like, you just said that you did it. <laughs> I loved it. It was awesome. He called him out. I'm like, listen to this whole thing. He's like, that's awesome. So anyway, so, so they come over to me. And they're like, did Peter walk on the water? I'm like, yeah, he did actually for a couple steps. That's more than anybody else can say. I mean, that's pretty awesome, right? But what happened? He ended up in a place where he's drowning, right? He ended up in a place where he's just like, uh, help out, please, <laughs> Right? He got so confident in his ability, instead of saying, God, if you will, God, if you would will me to do this, if you would want me to do this, God, help me to do this. But instead he says, God, if that's you, then call out to me and I'll come out. He's so confident in his ability and so confident in what he can do that he doesn't even look at the truth of who Christ is and he doesn't say, you know what, you can do all of these things. God says, you can do these things, you can help me to do anything, and if you want me to, and help me to step out. But oftentimes we step out because we say, man, God's done something. He's got me this far. Look what's happening. You know what? I can do something else. And we step out and we start running ahead of God because we're confident in our own ability instead of confident and waiting for Jesus to speak. We get so confident. We end up in a place where we say, how did I get here? How did this happen? Why am I in this place? Why am I in this moment? Thirdly, we can see this in the story of Peter John chapter 13, verse 6, and this is a little bit of a switch of what's happening in Peter as we go through the story, because as we look now, Jesus is talking to Peter, and he's been walking with him, and, and no doubt Peter is a man of faith, and no doubt Peter is, he's an awesome guy. I mean, this dude's a fisherman, he gives up his livelihood in a nanosecond to follow Jesus, right? 
I mean, that's pretty amazing. He has the faith to step out and walk on water a little bit. No doubt, he's got some huge faith, right? And he's, he, he's, he's, he's a strong guy. And as we see, as the story goes on, we start seeing a little bit different side of Peter. He's still the confident guy. He's still the cocky guy. And he's still the loud mouth of the group, right? But as we go on, we start seeing something a little bit different of Peter. We see Peter now, he's sitting in the room, and Jesus is talking to them, and he's sharing with them about what's getting ready to happen to his own life and sharing about the betrayal that's getting ready to happen to him. And Jesus, in that moment after he's done, he begins to wash his disciples' feet. And he's washing disciples' feet, and he finally makes his way to Peter. And he goes to wash Peter's feet, and Peter's just like, dude, you can't wash my feet. You can't wash my feet. And he starts talking to Jesus. He's like, you can't do this because he's got this view of himself. He's looking at himself where he was confident, where he was so knowledgeable of his situations and his circumstances, and he was so sure of them. His time with Jesus has started destructing what he knew to be true. And as he's going out, and he's like, okay, I don't know about all this stuff anymore that I thought I used to know about. But I'm still pretty able to do these things. And as he's spending time with Jesus, he starts really, it's like, I'm not as able as I thought I was. I'm not, I'm not able to do the things that I thought that I could do. And you find himself, and he's a place where he's broken. And you find himself where he's really beginning to look at himself. He's beginning to really look at his need. And he's beginning to see that he truly is a person that needs to be rescued, not just a person that needs to be fixed. He starts off in the boat, and he says, Jesus, I, I can't be around you. But now he says, Jesus, you can't, you can't do this. You can't serve me. You can't do this in this way. And how many times does our self-view, our view of who we are, our view of our past, our view of our failures, our view of our successes, our view of what we've done in this life, how many times does that keep us from the things that God has from us? How many times does our mind begin to wander on the past? One person asks the question, is like, why does my mind always begin to wander, and, or why does my mind always occupy itself on the past? And one person's response, I thought it was so amazing, it was like, because there's nothing else that you have to occupy it. And how true is that, is that we begin to look at ourselves and we begin to get distracted and discouraged. We look at our failures and we look at, you know what, what I used to know and what I used to think true of myself, I just don't know if that's true anymore. What I thought I could do, I just don't know if I can do it anymore. And we begin to put ourselves down and we begin to doubt ourselves and we begin to say, you know what, I just can't do this thing. I'm a failure. I'm a loser. I'm, we beat ourselves up and we find ourselves, you, I, I just can't even do it. I'm not worthy of anything. I'm not worthy of being saved. I'm not worthy of being rescued. I'm not at all. And Jesus responds to Peter and he says, listen, you've got to let me do this thing. And if you let me do this thing, then you begin to understand the life that I've called you to do. And I'm here to rescue you. I'm here to serve you, not just to fix you and not just to fix some things. See, in this moment, Peter's wrestling with this idea of this kingdom that Jesus is coming to build, that it's a physical kingdom, that it's something that's getting ready to happen, and his disciples are going to have these thrones, and they're going to have dominion and power, and everyone's going to see it. And Jesus is coming saying, no one's going to see it, no one's going to know what's going on, and you're not going to get your reward until eternity, and it's going to cost you a lot here and now, and if you're 
willing to understand in this moment that I'm here to rescue you, that I'm here to serve you, that I'm here to give myself to you. If you can realize that and you can embrace that, then you can live your life fearlessly. So in the moment, Peter says, I'm all in. Let's do this thing. Wash my feet, right? And starts sticking his feet out, wiggling his toes. He's like, wash my feet. Come on, let's do this thing. I want all of you. And then Jesus is like, are you sure about that? Because there's one last instance in John chapter 8. We see where Peter's sitting there and Jesus is getting ready to be turned over to the military. And, and, and his crucifixion is get, beginning to take place. And we see in John chapter 8 that, that the moment gets so much and it gets so big that Peter takes a sword and he cuts a dude's ear off. Right? That's why I love Peter. It's just awesome. Right? He's just such a cool guy. Right? He's just, just real and just, I'm just, I'm going to say what I'm going to say. I'm going to cut people's ears off. I'm just going to do what I got to do and Jesus is going to fix me. Right? I mean, if we could all just be that way. But in the moment, he's sitting there and his feelings overwhelm him and his feelings keep him from experiencing what God has for him in the moment. His feelings keep him from seeing what God is doing. His feelings keep him seeing, from seeing the eternal truth of what Jesus was coming to accomplish. And how many times do we allow ourselves to get so overwhelmed with our feelings that in moments we respond in anger where we should respond in love? How many times because we're broken and because our confidence has been shattered and because our abilities have been left for naught and because we're, we're sitting there and we're just looking at the moment and we're just looking at what's taking place and our self-view is not that high and, and we look at ourselves and we're just like, you know, I'm not even worth it and, and Jesus, I, I don't even deserve this thing and, and we have this false sense of humility and then we get in this place and we start justifying all of those things and seeing those things and that becomes what we see and we're looking at ourselves. And then our feelings in a moment just reach this place where they just explode and we lash out at somebody. Or we just do something that we shouldn't do and we walk out on our job and we say, I'm done. I'm just leaving you. Or we talk to our moms and we just say, you know what, mom, I don't even care. I'm done with this. I don't need a mom. Whatever your situation is, you find yourself in that place and like, how did I get here? How did this happen to me? It's because all of these things, these four things accumulate into that we are looking at ourselves and we're caught up in selfishness and that we refuse to believe that we need to be rescued from ourselves. And you look at all these situations, you look at all these things that are taking place in Peter's life, what Jesus is doing, Jesus is on a mission to rescue Peter from himself. Jesus is here to say, I'm going to deconstruct what you think you know. Not so that I can leave you helpless, but so that I can truly give you what you should know. I'm going to give you a knowledge of something that is truer than anything you could imagine. Peter, your abilities, they're great. You're a strong man. You can accomplish much, but your abilities are weak in comparison to what I want to make you able to do. Peter, I'm going to bring those down a little bit. I'm going to deconstruct what you think of yourself a little bit. I'm going to bring you to a place where you're able to truly look at yourself and say, I need to be saved. I need to be rescued. I don't just need to be fixed. I don't just need a situation where I can come and hear a good luck charm or, or something like that so that I can say, okay, great. I know how to be better this week. But that, So you can look and say, I need Jesus. And all accumulates at a point where Jesus had told Peter that he was going to accuse, or that Jesus, or Peter was going to deny Jesus three times. And Peter goes through with those actions, even though he said he wouldn't, again, just displaying his confidence one last time. Jesus said, you're going to, you know, somebody's going to betray me. And Peter's like, never me, right? And then Jesus is like, actually, you're going to deny me. And Peter's like, no, I couldn't do that. And then the moment that he denies Jesus three times, 
Peter looks up, and who's the man that's looking at him? But Jesus Christ. Jesus is looking at him. And I absolutely believe it's not a moment of judgment. It's not a moment where it says, I told you so. It's not a moment where it says, look, you failed, Peter. But a moment that says, Peter, you're seeing the truth. And you see that even in this, I'm here with you. He looks at Peter, and Peter begins to realize that he is desperate, and his only hope and his only source is Jesus Christ. Jesus goes through his crucifixion, and all of these situations happen, and Peter finds himself on the shore debating whether or not he should become a fisherman again. And lo and behold, in that moment, who comes out on the shore and starts making breakfast for him but Jesus? And they start talking, and Jesus asks him the question three times, do you love me? really asking him truly, Peter, are you willing to give everything for me? Peter, are you done looking at yourself? Peter, are you done being confident in yourself? Peter, are you done being ruled and led and guided by your feelings? Peter, are you done being confident in your abilities? Peter, are you done? Are you able to say, you know what? I'm yours and whatever you ask of me, I'm willing to do it. Whatever you want of me, I can give it up. I'll even give up my life. Peter says, I am. I love you. Agape, love you. He says, I'll give up everything, even my life. And Peter, <laughs> almost two months later, is standing out preaching, and 3,000 people are saved. Peter begins to build the church of God, not in his abilities, but in the abilities that God's given him. As so the worship team comes up, I just want to throw a couple little thoughts out to you and finish with this last point. Jesus has come to rescue us from ourselves. He's come to rescue you so that you can live fearlessly. In my life, in my own situation, when I look at my life and how I live my life out, my life is more times dictated by my feelings, by my thoughts of myself, my view of who I am, more than it is my view of who Christ is and what he's done for me. My feelings and my abilities and my confidence and, and what I can do, all of those things shape what I do. And whenever that happens, it ends up, and I end up in a place of saying, how did I get here? And I feel like I've done less than what I should have done, and I feel like I've accomplished less. And I know many of us can say that we're in the same boat, that there's been moments and there's been times that you would feel the same way. And one of the reasons I love the story about Peter is, is because I truly believe that God chose Peter. God chose Peter and talked and, and, and walked with him and walked through his life. And we get a glimpse of his life where we can see in all of the gospels stories about Peter. And we get this amazing picture of a man that is just like us. A man that has fears, a man that has worries, a man that has doubts, a man that is overly confident in himself at times and then absolutely doubts himself the next moment. The man who's walking fearlessly for God in one moment and doing amazing things and the next moment just like, uh, I'm going to walk away from you. And we can see ourselves in that and that's one of the reasons I love doing this series based off of movies because that's what makes movies so compelling. Is that when we go there and we look at a movie like this and Fearless, I can't even understand what they're saying but I can relate to him. That he's gone through and he's living this life where he's got to prove himself because he doesn't feel like anybody's noticing him. 
And you feel like if he doesn't take it seriously and he doesn't prove himself and do the things that nobody else is willing to do, well then it's all for naught. You look at all the superhero movies, why Marvel comics do so well, it's not because we love a good battle scene. It's the truth of the matter is, what makes a good story is, is our ability to connect with it. And you think through the movies that you like the most, the ones that you can connect with the most, and the ones that you like the most are the ones where you identify with a person struggling with some kind of inner battle. And that inner battle is dictating to them their circumstances, and it's dictating to them their situations. And we love seeing somebody overcoming that. And we love seeing somebody accomplishing something because they finally beat that inner demon. We love that moment because we all want that moment for ourselves where we step above ourselves, where we say, you know what, I can accomplish something and I can stop keeping myself back because we know that we're the ones that are holding us back. Jesus has come because we just can't do it. And we're always going to fall short. But when we come and we see Jesus in our situations, and we see that our story is his story, and it's about him, and pointing people to him, and telling people about him, and we begin to live that way, we live our lives out fearlessly. From Acts, we see Peter preaching and 3,000 people being saved. We see Peter living his life fearlessly until around 67 AD, where he's finally crucified. And in a humble way, says, I don't want to be crucified upright. I want to be upside down because I'm not worthy of dying the same way of Christ. And it's not because he's got this negative self-view of himself, but because he's got a high view of Jesus Christ. And he's looking at what Jesus has accomplished. And he's looking at his life and the difference that he's now lived because of Jesus Christ. Peter, church history will show that Peter's wife was martyred as well and then as Peter's wife was taken out he didn't cry and suffer and say no not my wife he smiled and cheered is what churches you can see in writings that he smiled and cheered and he yelled out at his wife he says hey remember our Lord and then he's taken to prison himself and he's in prison some writings even say up to nine months in complete darkness chained to a column and beat on a regular basis so dark you can't see anything and in that moment and in that place Peter witnesses to the people in prison that they have to move them out because everybody including the guards are converting and they're coming to know Jesus Christ he lives his life fearlessly not because he found some self-help book not because he figured out what was causing him to think negatively about himself or how to be stronger in a certain area or how to be more disciplined or how to think more positively or how to give away more, but because he saw Jesus and he saw that he needed to be rescued. And he said, Jesus, rescue me. Here I am. I'm going to give you everything and I'm going to follow you and I'm going to do it fearlessly. And if we're willing to give up our selfishness and we're willing to look at these things and we're able to look at, our, at him instead of ourselves, we're able to live out a bigger story and a story that God has for us. I'm going to read the scripture in a moment, but right now here's what I want us to do. Is I just want us to stay seated actually. And I want us to each take a moment, and I just want us to bow our heads. Just for a moment, just for you can just have a moment of solitude. And there's a moment where you can just say, I'm just going to be alone, and I'm just going to be honest with myself and honest with God. And allow others 
privacy as well. I believe that each one of us are unique. Each one of us has something unique and powerful that we can do in this world. That we can make a difference that nobody else can make. But I believe that we understand that to be true and we want it to be true. But we oftentimes try to accomplish it on our own. We oftentimes try to run out and do things on our own. That we always step out of bounds of where we're supposed to be. And we're trying to do things that are not meant for us to be doing. And we end up in places of discouragement. We end up in places of doubt and worry and fear. And we're overcome with our feelings. And we're overcome with all of these situations. And we either respond with more arrogance and more confidence. And we continue to make decisions that pull us farther and further from God. Or we respond in rash ways. And it causes us to be further and further from God. And I believe that today, that God is speaking, I know to me, and I believe to many in this room today. And He's saying, listen, you do not have to keep doing this thing on your own. You do not have to keep fighting yourself. Just let me rescue you. And you look at your circumstances and your situations, you're like, I don't know why they've happened. I don't know why they've gone the way they've gone. If you are a follower of Christ and you're willing to look at it, I believe they're happening so that you can better see Jesus. And you see less of yourself and you see more of Him. And if you're far from God today, if you do not know who He is, you do not have a relationship with Him today, that He wants to come into your situation and He wants to rescue you. And then He wants us to live for Him, to know Him, and to boldly proclaim Him in all that we do. So I'm going to ask the band to sing this just song that we were singing earlier about love and His presence. And then it's just you're in your seat, just sitting and just reflecting that you just say, God, I want to know you and I want to look to you. I want to look to myself. I don't want to look what I've done. God, I want to look to what you can do. God, I want to stop looking at my abilities, but God, I want to look at yours. I want to look what you've accomplished and not what I've accomplished. God, I want to stop looking at myself in a negative way. I want to stop looking at myself in an overly confident, overly positive way. God, and I want to look at you and only you and say, God, I want to follow after you. I want to be in your presence and I want to chase after you.